to the Infernal Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> We're already laughing. I can't look at Sarah with a straight face. She's she's totally pregnant lounging. I love it. <laughs> last time, the last episode, I lost steam. So I'm trying not to this time. <laughs> She's got a, I can see most of, mostly I see her keyboard <laughs> from the angle well, I look. I see her sweet little head in a weird. <laughs> and her microphone and she's laying on a pillow on her side. You probably have a my pillow camera, between your legs, right? Uh, The blanket, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's comfortable, guys. She's pregnant, and she's starting to get to that stage where it's getting uncomfortable. Like, beautifully uncomfortable. Beautifully (laughs) uncomfortable. I don't know if I would say it's beautifully uncomfortable. Well, I'm just going to say that, because truly, when when you do get to that stage, you feel anything but beautiful. (laughs) I just couldn't imagine twins. You just feel awkward once you get to this point. But you look great. She looks great, everyone. It is funny. As long as I look great. You You look great, but I'm not used to seeing you laying down while we record. (laughs) I know, that's kind of weird, but... We're honestly slightly off our game because Sarah's laying down and I'm in a different closet deep in the heart of Texas. You're in a different state. (laughs) Oh, do you remember that trick I told you about... Texans or something and I couldn't remember what it was. Uh, no. Do you don't remember that? <laughs> no. A I can't trick? remember. Yeah. It's like a Texans trick. Like you say something and then they repeat deep in the heart of Texas. The stars at night are big and bright? Yeah. So you say the stars at night are big and bright and then someone from Texas will say deep in the heart of Texas or whatever however you say it. It's from a song. Oh. You don't That's know the, the song? Would you like me to no. sing it for you? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. There you go. Well, is that like your national, your Texas our national anthem? anthem? Yes, that is our national anthem in Texas. <laughs> oh. It's a right. popular Texas song. There's lots of songs about Texas. The nationalism down here is fierce. And yes, I use the word nationalism. And yes, I know what it means. (laughs) The Uh, stereotype is true about that. It's the greatest place on earth. Why would you ever leave? (laughs) You left. I did. And I'm the black sheep of the family. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure that's not true. No, it kind of is. You're just the older one. Not my parents and siblings, but my extended family, some of them truly do, like, have asked me, why don't you come back? (laughs) Like, because it's so hot. That's true. It was 110 degrees. I'm down here for a family reunion, and it was 110 degrees this week, and so, gotta love that dry Texas heat. That sounds miserable. Oh, man. Yeah. Send us your state songs. (laughs) Like, does New Hampshire have, like, a state song about it? Or, like, uh, Montana? 
Are there any songs about mm. Montana? Won't you meet uh, me? No, there is one Montana. from the Beatles. Really? Somewhere in the back hills of... Oh, no, that's Dakota. Sorry. <laughs> Somewhere in the black hills of Dakota, there lives a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. You know I that one? That there, no, don't know that one. <laughs> I hope there's yep, a song about every in the car state. yesterday. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, we've rambled on long enough. Here's what we're talking about today, guys. Uh, we're talking about questions to ask before IVF, covering all your bases. Questions for your doctor, questions for your partner, questions to ask yourself. Questions. We're questioning today. Lots of questions. Lots of questions. Um, but first, we have a couple of business items. One is super exciting, so I'll do the not super exciting one first. I felt like I should clarify what I talked about in our last episode about add-ons. Like to IVF? Yeah. Yeah. Because I read from that article that was sort of cautioning against add-ons. And I don't... Yeah, I just didn't want anyone to think that I'm, like, not supportive of add-ons. I mean, hello, I did several of them myself. ICSI, assisted hatching. I don't uh, remember the article not... Oh, it was just, like, cautioning people against add-ons because fertility clinics use them for, like, 30 to 40% of revenue. I don't think... I just, I don't know. I don't think that those add-ons are for just revenue. I don't either. That's yeah. that's my point. I don't think they're just for revenue. But I think, no. it, I just think it's like, my point of bringing it up was to always have like a healthy skepticism about anything your doctor's pushing on you. If you feel like they're pushing something. It's one thing if you need it. And like genetic testing, I even said, is totally different. A lot of people like truly need to do that. But... It was some of the other, yeah. you know, extras. And speaking of questions before IVF, I think it's good to ask about add-ons. Like, do you offer add-ons? And if so, what do you recommend and why? Because I think we both talked about how we did embryo or assisted hatching and we didn't, I didn't even know my clinic was going to do it. I didn't either. Until I got the bill and I was like, oh, so maybe it's good to ask about add-ons. Well, I think that that's just a part of the package for my clinic. I think it is for mine too, but it was itemized. Like, as yeah. A, so I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it's Well, fine, I was like, why but... is she coming out of her shell? I didn't know it was a girl at the time, but <laughs> I, I thought it could be a girl at the time. That's right. Yeah. I was like, why is, why is it coming out of its shell already? And they're like, we did assisted hatching. Like, mm-hmm. Oh. I didn't know. Those embryos that are, that they, when they take the picture of them hatching, they don't, if you don't know, then you're like, why does it look all wonky? It looks like the yolk broke. It does. It looks like it's like exploding. Yeah. Which I guess it kind of is. It's coming out of its shell. But if you don't know, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. It used to be this perfect little circle. And now it's not. And now well, it's not. And it, it looked like the embryo shell wasn't expanded. Mm-hmm. And so it looked extra weird. Mm. 
since they did the hatching on an because when they expand at some point they hatch out of their embryo shell their, themselves right so yeah it's interesting yep. we'll get to that we'll get to embryo hatching because i want to know more about it like why they do it to help i know it's just to <laughs> move things along <laughs> yeah Anyway, okay, so I just wanted to clarify that. It's not that I'm not supportive at all of add-ons because, obviously, I think they're often necessary. I say get all the add-ons you can. Yeah, if you want to pay for it, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Because they do add up. They do add But, I mean, sometimes you don't need them. Yes. Like ICSI. You you may not. No, I mean, some people do need ICSI. We definitely needed ICSI. But that's, I don't, that's sort yeah. of my point. Just be cautious. Like, know, know why they're recommending an add-on and if you're... And just make sure you're comfortable with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Our other business item is... It's the 40th anniversary of... Lu- or anniversary? Birthday. Yeah. Birthday. Yeah, I guess it is an anniversary and a birthday. It's the, it's the 40th anniversary of the first baby born via IVF. And her name is Louise Brown. <laughs> it's her 40th birthday today. Funny, uh, interesting fact. They only did a single embryo transfer for, for her. Nice. Yep. They, like, because usually at that time and into the 80s, early 90s, you think of IVF as them just throwing a bunch of embryos in there. Right. And then later Although they're I like, like we'll that- just take some out yeah but with her they just put one in and it worked and i wonder if though the because the technology was so new that they didn't do like this the stimming wasn't quite as aggressive i don't know no i i could have swore that i read that they didn't even stim her mom oh okay yeah see that would make more sense a single leg Mm mm-hmm which, like, what we talked about in the last episode, they're sort of starting to pivot back to that more, uh, a little bit more gentle version of yeah. IVF now that the technology is getting better. The embryology and testing and stuff. So, it's kind of like it's swinging back to a more natural approach. The situation. Right. But uh, someone in our Facebook group shared that article about her turning 40 today. It's uh, July 25th. Happy birthday, Louise. Cheers to you. She seems like a cool chick. And your sister. Yep. Give her sister a shout out. What's sister's name? Um, Natalie. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what that's from? No, but it was super scary. (laughs) I'm guessing it's a horror film or something. No, it's from the House Bunny with Anna Ferris. She remembers people's names by saying them like that. She's like, Natalie. So anyway. Anyway. Both her and her sister are IVF babies. Yeah, she gave sister a shout out in this article. We'll link it in the show notes. And sister was, so Natalie, or excuse me. Louise was born in 1978, and Natalie was born in 1982. And at the time that she was born, she was the 40th 
IVF baby. Which So they were still figuring things out. Yeah. Four years. So it's like 10 IVF babies a year, which I just like, I was talking to my parents about this last night because I mentioned this to them and they were both like, yeah, we remember when that happened. It was huge international news and it was super controversial, you know. I bet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, like, it's hard for people to wrap their head around IVF now in 2018. So can you just imagine what people in 1978 thought about a baby that was conceived outside of the womb? They're like, their yeah. heads exploded. Their heads exploded. Or they were like, this is from the devil. <laughs> or they're like, this is the future man. <laughs> and they were all high. I don't know. <laughs> they do a lot of drugs in the 70s. They do a lot of drugs in every year. <laughs> True. Ours are just like, a lot of our ho- generation's drugs are just pharmaceutical. Right. More And methamphetamines. So. 70s yeah, was like a lot of worse. hallucinogens and a lot of weed. So, you know, I think the Probably idea. Probably wouldn't kill you. Right. And I think the idea of a of a test tube baby, as they were referred to, would be kind of trippy, right? <laughs> yeah. Was she grown in a test tube? I don't know. I mean... Like, where'd that come from? I don't know where the term test tube baby came from, other than, like, she was grown in the lab. Maybe mm, she was grown in a They're grown in, in Petri tube. dishes. Right. For um, They're called the record. Petri dish babies, if Get it right, 70s. Some clinics will give you the Petri dish that your really? embryo was grown in. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, not any I've been to, but I've seen people get them. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they were grown in a test tube, though. It has to be where that term came from. I would think so. Somebody knows. Somebody correct us. <laughs> Someone let us know. But anyway, that is, like, pretty kick-ass. She's 40 years old. She's rocking it. She's from England. She's British. British. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just it's just an awesome thing to celebrate, 40 years of IVF. Yeah. Like, Does she have kids? Uh, I'm not sure. We should do a deep dive on Louise. We'll come back and tell you an more. expose. Yeah. <laughs> the dark... Secret life. I know she's Louise married. Brown. I, or she was. Might have read somewhere that she has kids. I saw a picture of her and her dad. I did. I started a deep dive last night, but it was like midnight, and I decided to stop. But yeah, super interesting. And her sister too. Like, talk about unsung hero. I mean, how does it yeah. feel to be the sister of the first IVF baby? <laughs> Probably not great. It's like, nobody gives a shit about you, Natalie. (laughs) Sorry, Natalie. Louise gets all the credit. We care. You know, it's one thing like your siblings excels at like football or playing the violin. You know, you get overshadowed because your sister was the first IVF baby. Yeah. But yeah, thanks to Louise and her mom and dad and Natalie and the doctors and the researchers and the nurses and the hospital and all the support staff that got her here that gave millions of people support over the last 40 years. Hope. Yep. Millions of people hope. 
It's all because of you, Louise. You're the OG. I mean, it could have been someone else, but... But it was Louise. It's you. <laughs> so. She's like Superman with great responsibility. <laughs> co- wait. With great power. What is... How does Comes it... Great responsibility? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Whatever. Hold your torch high. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. It's a tiny needle. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> okay. Let's move on anyway. to questions. Um, questions. I feel like this was a good topic because it really supports our strong position of being your best advocate. We, we tell you guys that all the time. So it's just really about being completely comfortable with your treatment plan and and with your doctor and your partner and all of that before going forward with IVF because you just don't want any questions really once you get going it's just too much yeah and I told you before we started um that I had a list of questions going in but the doctor answered all of them before I asked them Which so is great. know what you want to know right which is you why might not even have to ask Right, which is why you're listening to this podcast, so you can find out what you want to know. <laughs> yes, I mean, we are like the least educational podcast on infertility <laughs> there is. We are 100% the least educational. We wear that with a badge, as like a badge of honor, but what we also are is... like real people like you that did it yeah (laughs) I think that's great advice to start Sarah that you like write down your questions and actually like have them somewhere where you can see them whether it's your phone or a piece of paper or something because when you get in there in the 21st century (laughs) yeah I know but I remember stuff better if I write it down instead of stick it in my phone in your um Planner my planner that, that I would lose before I went to the RE. Yes. Uh, but I just, I used to get so over, overwhelmed. So if I had the questions in front of me, it was better. Because I would certainly forget them the minute I walked in there and started talking to the doctor. Hold on. I'm having so, issues. Okay. Sorry. That was Bjorn's doctor. Oh. And he says everything's good? Yeah, the blood cultures came back normal. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And he's acting normal. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. She always calls him Bajorn. Oh, she does? Yeah. <laughs> the blood cultures came back normal on Bajorn. Like, I'm not even going to correct you. Sarah just got a call from her pediatrician, guys. Bajorn. <laughs> Bajorn has been ill. Yeah. But he's okay. I don't know that I would correct people either. It's just like, it's not worth it. Most people know it's Bjorn. Yeah. I, someday, we don't have to talk about it now, but someday I want to know, like, how you chose his name. And I will tell you. Little teaser. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, back sorry to. about that interruption. It's all, it's all good. Uh, it's life. See, we're just real people. Okay. We're not. Yeah. We're not your professional podcast. We're just, we're, we're your real podcast. We're just people who have both been through it. Right. My tornadoes are currently destroying my parents' house. 
<laughs> so it is what it is. <laughs> and my parents let them. Okay, so questions for the RE. Like, we just covered some of this, but I think, like Sarah was saying, they're probably going to tell you this, but if they don't, it's good to make sure you fully understand, like, all the testing that they are going to do or all the, like, procedural steps that they're going to do during IVF. Oh, and remember to ask how much it's going to cost. Because that's one thing they did not tell me. Yeah. I think... Like your doctor, when you ask that, it may not, may not know right away because they don't handle billing and insurance and all that. But you should ask if, you know, and someone should be able to tell you how much it's going to cost. That's a big one. Yep. That's a big one. Um, Steph actually, actually mentioned this in her comment. We're going to read some listener comments in a minute. But... Uh, we've mentioned like looking up success rates of clinics and doctors might Mm -hmm. be good to ask them why their success rates are what they are because I think I mentioned that it depends on the clinic like their statistics could be lower than some other clinics just because they maybe they have my clinic told me what (laughs) They told me why they're the second in the state. Oh, okay. What'd they say? Well, my doctor said the first in the state takes people who don't really need IVF. Aha. And then he said, we take harder cases. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. They could- Maybe he was being sassy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or that's just a really good answer for why your rates are lower. Because it yeah. sounds it sounds really good. But that could be true in some cases. You know, like some doctors, oh, you're 45, I'm not even going to go there. Yeah. Or like, you just want to do, I, you just want to jump to IVF? Okay, let's go. Because you want your kid to have brown eyes? Okay, sure. I heard a phone call. I was in the waiting room and I heard the receptionist talking to someone who was like, I want a girl. And she's like, we, well, you can't just pick a sperm. <laughs> like, you can't tell. And it sounded like a really stupid conversation. Like, I wonder how many calls they get like that. Mm-hmm. Like, people call the fertility clinic. They're like, I do not want another boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we, we've talked about this off air before. <laughs> There's a certain clinic in a certain state that advertises for just that oh are they in america yep you know who Mm. they are we've actually mentioned them i can't have we yeah but i can't think of it right now but they advertise gender and eye color hair color like oh you've got three boys and you want that girl to quote complete your family come see us and we can get you a girl Okay, I will judge people for doing IVF for that reason. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Like, I don't think that's I don't think that's a good reason to do IVF because you are not happy with your current children. No. I mean, well and yeah, their looks and gender. Like that's so shallow. I think the eye color is particularly problematic for me. Like you're going to do 
IVF just to get a kid with blue eyes? I mean, whatever, to each his own, but I don't agree with it. I'm with you. I think that's... And I don't think it's, like, insulting for a fertility clinic to advertise that when they cater to mostly infertile people. Yeah. Most people just want to have children. They want a child. Yeah. (laughs) They will be happy with a child that's healthy and alive and... They don't care what color their eyes are or what color their hair is or what gender they are. All of that can be changed like, as a, an adult. <laughs> you can get contacts and dye your hair. It just gets a Plus, little too... It's just... it's a, it, it, Eugenics? Yes, it's way too it, floating on the eugenics, like... Is it a little too orphan black for you? It's a little too Holocaust for me. Oh, yeah, that too. Plus, blue eyes are just problematic. (laughs) It just seemed like they can't see very well. (laughs) (laughs) Or I, I guess... Am I right? I have... My twins have one... Sydney has bright blue eyes. And Gianna has kind of more like grayish blue like mine mm-hmm. and people always comment on Sydney's eyes and they'll oh she has the most beautiful eyes and they and poor little G is just sitting there and that other one and that other one she's Blah. fine <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I guess like it is a thing that people still like well people always comment on Bjorn's curly hair mm-hmm. The conversation goes like this. (laughs) Oh, look at those curls. Where did he get them? Yep. And I'm like, uh, um, my mom has curly hair. (laughs) And if she's with me, they're like, no. I'm like, her hair is super curly. What are you talking about? Like, (laughs) people are really annoying in public. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've talked about that at length. yeah. 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 And last weekend... Someone was like, oh, he's so tall. And I'm like, yeah, he is. He takes after his dad. And the lady was like, he's not that tall. <laughs> Thanks, lady. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's a foot taller than both of us. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> he's not short. Yeah. I, people. I use people's, I think I've said this before, stupid questions about the about twins as a a way to make them uncomfortable about IVF. <laughs> Cuz they always the question is, "Oh, are they twins? Do twins run in your family?" And I immediately most of the time, "Nope. We did IVF." And then they usually get really awkward and uncomfortable or they ask questions. I would be about like, IVF. "Me too." <laughs> and then we would hug and eat ice cream and skip in the park and be best friends. <laughs> Let's leave our kids here and go shopping. <laughs> Wait, we're probably shopping if we ran into each true, other. True, true. <laughs> yeah, people. I think I'm going to say, where do you get the curly hair? I'm going to say, we did IVF. Yeah, you should say, we engineered it <laughs> so he like, would have curly what? hair. <laughs> we picked it. Yeah. It's there called you eugenics. Right. <laughs> But I think I'm going to try that. Like, where did it come from? We did IVF. <laughs> Even though the two don't correlate. Like, no, but just do it. At to all. See what people's reaction is. 
I'm telling you, it's one or the other. They get really awkward and uncomfortable because they think IVF is like weird and taboo. And they think like, why are you telling me this? They get weird or they are, they get really interested. And then you have something fun to talk about that you really like. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you don't like talking about it. Well, yeah, but I do. But we like talking about it. So it's a win-win for me. I can make someone either really uncomfortable or... (laughs) No. (laughs) Anyway. um, Okay, so So, we went way off on a tangent, but we were talking about success rates for your clinic. So SART, yeah. The Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology. It's a website that gives statistics on IVF clinics. We covered it episode three I think what that a is a long time ago a long time ago so yeah. moving on to like your partner and I think this is arguably even more important than your doctor making sure you're on the same page with your partner because they're yeah. the one you have to live with not the doctor so the most common thing we heard from you guys that gave us feedback was like making sure you and your partner are on the same page about your limits for treatment whether that's the cost of them, whether that's like the length of time that you're going to do them or how aggressive you're going to be with them, that kind how of How many stuff. rounds. Right. How many? I mean, nobody wants to think in the beginning that IVF isn't going to work. Like you don't really want to go there. Most people want to just. No think, one wants to think about that. No one wants to think about that. But you should at least talk about it a little bit. And it's okay if, like, what you think now changes, you know, once you get into it. Because you don't really know how you're going to feel until you're in that place. But I think it's good to at least, like, explore the idea. Knowing that you don't have to be cemented into this idea. Cemented? I'm in (laughs) Texas, so I should say it the Texas way. Oh, I thought you were trying to make it sound like semen. I was. (laughs) Um, Semen? semen Ted. yeah so and then some other questions like you know things like bill and i did not talk about this before we did ivf and we probably should have like how many embryos you want to transfer you will have to talk about what you'd want to do with extra embryos because they make you sign that enormous whatever that like legal document is you know mm-hmm. what i'm talking about the packet that, yeah that talks about what what you would do with extra embryos it's so funny, too, because it's like every scenario. If if Sarah goes completely mentally insane, does the custody of the embryo go all to Peter? <laughs> what if one of us dies? What if both of us dies? What if we get divorced? What if we get remarried? It's crazy. You yeah. have to like go through all those scenarios. But then finally, like if IVF is completely not successful, I think that's a good thing to discuss. Like, do we move on to donor eggs or donor sperm or donor embryos? So, let's let's get into some listener comments. Sarah, you want to read the first one from Brett? And I know I we don't know her, but I feel like we know her. <laughs> and what I right. know about her is she's extremely thorough. So she's probably thought of everything. So yeah, she so had a she lot probably of probably listen to her. Yeah. Okay, so Brett said, from my RE, I would want to know if 
I am a recommended candidate for carrier screening, screening or PGT for an <laughs> aneuploidy. What is that? If you want to know what it is, as a listener, you could Google it, I guess. <laughs> it is. Um, uh, okay. Duh. <laughs> so aneuploidy is an embryo that is not genetically, it doesn't have all the chromosomes. Wow. Like, that's all it is. So and that's PGT, the word for it. PGT is now like, instead of saying PGS slash PGD, PGT is pre-implantation genetic testing. It's like covers both of those types of testing. All right. Yeah. Aneuploidy. See, she knows all the fancy words. <laughs> now I feel stupid. Thanks a lot, Brett, for making us <laughs> feel stupid. <laughs> she also wants to know an ac- explanation for my protocol and why it was chosen. That's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, what? Yeah. What is my RE's idea of success of a successful cycle for me? How many eggs? How many embryos? Are we candidates for ICSI? Why or why not? I think that's a, a good one. Can we stop on that one for a second? Sure. Don't you think some people, like, if you leading up to IVF, you've probably compared with, like, you've seen how it's gone for other people. So you might have in your mind what a successful IVF would be for you. Like, I want to get at least this many eggs and I want to have at least this many embryos. And that may not be what your doctor's going for. So it might be good Mm -hmm. to make sure you're on the same page there. So you're not disappointed. We did talk about that. Yeah. I remember Nurse Mandy when I, because we went through stimming about the same time and I had so many eggs and she ended up, she had a, lower dose like a more of like a barbecue style slow and low kind of stim process Mm -hmm. and she had she had fewer eggs than I did but the ratio was about the same in terms of like how many fertilized and because so anyway I'm just saying yeah yeah it's good there was a different protocol from different doctors and it's good to make sure on the same page don't compare why friends or do. <laughs> we know you're going to do it anyway, so. <laughs> uh, okay, she said, a ballpark figure for monitoring appointments and a best guess for times I should be prepared to miss work. It's kind of a difficult one. but Yeah. They just can't tell like, you. Until you're up close. Yeah. Uh, what is the protocol for a failed cycle? What would the timeline be for next treatments? What are the odds of success given my diagnosis? And then the main question that I had to ask myself was this. Given the impact on me emotionally and professionally, how do I want to balance paying for extra services like ICSI in hopes of improving the outcome? My husband was a part of this discussion, but ultimately told me he needed me to make the call because of the profound imbalance of time required for me in an IVF cycle. Mm-hmm. Add-ons. So <laughs> she add-ons. actually said that in a much more eloquent way than I tried to say at the beginning of <laughs> of this episode. 
of just yeah. weighing the add-on, the price of the add-on, whether it's the usually the doctor cost. will tell you. Yeah, but I mean, even just uh, is the cost of the add-on, whether it's like a financial cost or an emotional cost, how much are you willing to spend? Because for the outcome, I think it's a good. I guess that's an individual decision. Exactly. And one you should think about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sylvia said a couple offhand. Number one, medication side effects. My protocol changed with each retrieval, so it's good to ask what to expect with each medication change. That's good. And, uh, I feel like you get a lot of that, too, from the community. You see how medications <laughs> affect. They t- talk about that a lot. Yeah. But every person's different, too, how they affect you. Um, how many IVF treatments are you and your partner willing to go through? So, again, the limit question. You won't always get a lot of embryos, so it's good to ask yourself, if you only end up with one embryo, are you willing to go through another cycle? Like... To get pregnant again? Yeah, to have another baby, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you only end up with one embryo, even if it I mean, if it does or it doesn't result in a baby, are you going to put yourself through it again? Guess it depends on what you want. <laughs> uh, Kelly said, I think everyone should ask themselves what their limit is before starting anything in this process. How much money are you willing to spend? How many rounds, donor eggs, or sperm? Unless they are a necessity. Uh, Adoption, the answers can change over time, but starting out knowing where you and your partner are on these issues is super important, and the limits can be different. That's okay, too. Agree. Yeah, I think that kind of reflects what other people said. Mm-hmm. I think, th- like, were you and Peter always on the same page with your quote-unquote, like, limits? Uh, mostly. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, we would come to an agreement if something changed. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. he didn't want to do IVF again after, like, if our frozen embryo transfer didn't work, he didn't want to do IVF again. Oh, this lab with baby girl? Yeah. Okay. And you would have wanted to? Yes, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. I was kind of on the fence, but Yeah. But it's good to talk about that stuff before it's right in your face. Yeah. To at least have an open dialogue about it. Bill and I... He probably would have changed his mind if I felt strongly about Mm -hmm. it. Sure. But just in casual, like, hypothetical conversation, it was like, no, I don't really want to do that again. And you were like, oh, maybe I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. It's good to know where the other person is. It's okay if you're not on the same page. Because Are you and Bill on the same page? Well, we had... Uh, so, after my second failed IUI, I was like, uh, Dunsky, I'm not doing that again. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't get to IVF quick enough. I wanted to do it so bad. After My second 
failed IUI was the hardest letdown that I had through the whole thing. I'm not even sure why. Um, hmm. But I was just in such an emotional place that I, I just, I needed something that was more reliable. And he was not convinced at first. Like he wanted to keep Ew. doing IUIs. And at some point I just, I was like, I'm not even going to argue with him. I'm going to let the RE convince him. <laughs> well, there you go. Because it was like, I think she's going to recommend that when we have our consult with her. And he'll actually respect her recommendation more than me just saying, I want to do IVF. Like, if the doctor says it, then he'll be like, okay, let's do it. And that's what happened. <laughs> so, Oh. Hey, at least the doctor was on your side. That's right. And he was also, like, after our second frozen embryo transfer failed... He he was of the mind, like, we're just going to keep doing IVF until it works. And I was like, uh, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I had told him at the time, I'll do one more round of IVF if the, the twins didn't make it here. But I didn't want to do another one after that. I was like, I just can't put myself through it again. So I was willing to go one more round. But after that, I probably would have been done. But we And we knew Ooh. how each other felt. Which was good. Yeah. So. You come to an agreement at some point. You do. If you feel differently, <laughs> that's okay. But you do have to come to an agreement. You don't want to be in a disagreement in the middle of treatments. That's not what you need. I had a dream that I had to go to egg retrieval and Peter wouldn't come with me. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, I need you here for you your sperm. Jerk. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. I'm just going to rope the janitor in the hall in here if you don't show up. Yeah. <laughs> that oh. was the other day, and he's like, I hate your dreams. Oh. What does so that bad. say about you and Peter? Let's analyze. I don't know. Like, I always have <laughs> dreams that he doesn't like me, and then I wake up and I'm like, oh, yeah, he does like me. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I have low self-esteem. <laughs> Is that what it is? It could be. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think that's Maybe it. I can't believe that he would like me on oh, the inside. This is getting deep. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway. What does Steph have to say? Steph always has great things to say. Okay. Um, she says... There's always the standard SART scores and likelihood of a live birth with your diagnosis, which we discussed. Um, uh, and then she wrote, disclaimer, some of these will potentially seem weirdly early to ask at your first appointment, but it is what I wished I had known. For the doctor, do you err on the side of trying new techniques within reason or would you say you're more conservative? Good hmm. question. Especially yeah. when it comes to like quote experimental things like immune therapy treatment so many oh, REs yeah. are like I don't believe in that crap and then there's a bunch that are like yeah let's do it so let's do it if you know you're someone with immune factors you might ask that up top because it's not helpful if you have an RE that doesn't support the tr that treatment if you if that's something you're interested in mm -hmm. and that goes for anything any extra type treatment um 
while I want to give my body the best chance to succeed here, if we reach a time when we would look at donor material, which obviously she had to do, Steph is using mm-hmm. donor eggs um, and a surrogate, what would indicate that it's time to change tax tactics? Tax? I bet she means tactics. <laughs> yeah. Um, she said, we had a money-hungry clinic who did a lot of questionable questionable procedures that were never going to work and when we asked if it was time all they would say is not yet i wish i had known beforehand so that i knew when i was getting bamboozled it's great advice i think when you go into ivf if it doesn't work the doctor's like oh let's just try this and let's just try that let's do this one more time one more time i think that's a good question to ask like at what point do you say this isn't going to work my doctor yeah that was one of the first things he said. He's like, I'm not going to do, have you do IVF a bunch of times if it's not working That's for good. you. Yeah. Then he's like, do you have a sister? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. uh. Will she donate her eggs? <laughs> yeah. And then no. you were like, That's a complicated <laughs> question for me. I do have a sister. Her name is Sarah. <laughs> kind of. But not biologically. No. <laughs> But that's a good question. I mean, again, the cynic in me thinks that some doctors are like, well, if you want to pay for it, I'll keep doing it. Yeah. When they know. some are like. Yeah. No. Right. (laughs) Some are like, I can't ethically do this to you anymore because I really don't think your your chances are. I don't think it's going to work for you. That's the doctor you want that gives it to you straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she said, between you and your partner, I love this. <laughs> okay, you know this is going to be stressful, but you don't know what it'll be like for you until you get through a cycle. Some women have no symptoms. Others are a hot mess. How are you going to help each other when you're in over your head? What usually helps might not work during stems. How are you going to tell your partner to fuck off in a way that is functional? We literally Mm. had a stims safe word. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it saved me from actually killing my genuinely lovely husband. (laughs) I want to know what the safe word was. Uh, Like, is it related to fertility or is it something totally random? Like, sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Monkey. Right. (laughs) I want to know. Fan. I want to know what the stims safe word was. (laughs) And that's really good advice. If you have a stems safe word, <laughs> I want to hear Always about Always have it. a safe word. For all kinds of situations. Just in general. Right. Um, she also added, like many of you, an ongoing discussion about your limits is a good plan. They will change the longer you're stuck in infertility hell, and that's okay. Don't get stuck to a plan. Try and allow some space to re-examine the options from time to time. Sit with ideas that cause discomfort together. Sometimes they end up being viable options once the initial emotions die down. Which is also great advice. And one she has a lot of experience with. Because I'm sure initially when it, when they had to grapple with the donor eggs idea. Or for herself, like the surrogacy idea. Like initially those are going to be really hard emotional choices. Yeah. You know, so like she said, sit with it if it's uncomfortable, let it marinate. Don't like 
have a knee jerk reaction right away. Like I'll never do that. Or, you know, just let it lie for a little bit. I think that's good advice. Just think about it. Yeah. Just think about it. And then the last thing she said was how open are we going to be with family, friends, work, which obviously is. That's good to be on the same page. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because that can cause unnecessary stress that you don't need. Um, Yeah. And I think some people, it obviously tends to be women that are more open about it than men for whatever reason. But if he or partner doesn't want to be open about it, then there's options to that, like, very anonymous uh, Instagram accounts, for example. Or... Yeah, or Baby Center. Yeah, you can still... Reddit. Right. There's still ways that you can compromise that decision if you're not on the same page. Okay, read Cassie's. Okay. Cassie. Good topic for you and your significant others to discuss. Well, good topics for you and your significant other to discuss <laughs> before IVF would be genetic testing or not. Start the conversation of how many embryos you want to transfer. I've been talking to her about that. I've been trying to sway her in a certain direction. Oh, talk about how to make the next couple of months stress-free as stress-free as much as possible agree not to make any big plans or commitments to events that could interfere with monitoring appointments that's good marriage is hard enough yeah Yeah. marriage is hard enough already and with ivf it can be very stressful on both spouses It's so important to stay open in conversation at all times about feelings or fears with this treatment. Staying on the same page creates unity at appointments to understand each other and what's going on. And uh, we interviewed Cassie. It was last Friday's episode. Episode 27. Yes. How's she doing? So, uh, She had a rough couple of days because she... They had to cancel her transfer for, Um, yeah, Uh, what could be a related thing to the egg retrieval or not. I don't know which it is, but um, she's feeling better now. And I'm like, you would feel like you're, it sucks that you didn't transfer, but it's good that you didn't transfer. Uh (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, she should be transferring within two months, I'd say. I'm all, I'm on the FET wagon for sure. Yeah. It's, they have the same success rates as a fresh, maybe a little, are they a little bit better at this point? That I have, I feel like I have looked at that data ad nauseum and it goes back and forth. It's like. I feel like you, it's one of those things, if you want it to be one way, you can find evidence to support it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it, at the very least, it's comparable. It's not like one has an enormous success rate over the other. And I, I did both. I did a fresh and frozen. And I just think the fresh is, it's just so much on your body. I th- yeah, I, liked I did both, the, too. You kind of get to reset with the frozen transfer, even though at the time it feels like it just it 
it sucks at the time because you're so ready to just get it done. But really, I think mentally and physically for your body to give it a break from IVF is a good thing. Yeah. So. So I don't think a frozen transfer is a bad thing. No. At all. No. No. If I were to do it again, I would, I wouldn't want to do a fresh transfer, especially because I had, I ended up getting OHSS. So. Yeah. It's a better uterine environment too. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I'm sorry she had a setback though. That's not fun. Yeah. Well, those are all the questions. And answers. And answers. (laughs) Well, just questions to ask. Yes. So, let's go to out of the box. Out of the box. Out of the box. Mm -hmm. Go. Uh, Okay. So, the first question, you wanted to know this. Do you have any weird phobias? Yeah. Do you? Um, (laughs) I have one weird phobia, I guess, and it's goes back to childhood. Like, I have uh-huh. a phobia of being picked up from places. What? Like, <laughs> waiting for someone to pick me up from school, or, like, oh. I'll pick you up somewhere. Oh. Like, if Peter drops me off at a store, not now, I, I feel like he would come back. Oh, you're afraid you're going to get abandoned. Yes. Oh, no. Sarah, (laughs) that's so sad. And if someone wasn't waiting for me when I came out of the building, like, I would start crying. Oh, Which is really embarrassing. Where does that come from? I don't know. I think I'm just afraid my mom's going to forget about me. (laughs) She was always late. She says she's not. But... So when you were a kid, you felt like, did you get, did you get left behind one time? (laughs) Yes, I've gotten left behind. Someone forgot you like at school or something. Yeah, my friend, I was supposed to ride to dance class with a girl in the class with me and her grandpa forgot me and left me at the school. Oh no. And so the principal drove me. (laughs) Who I actually ended up talking to later in life. She's now a photographer, so we were part of the same wedding uh, vendor association. Like, you drove me to dance once. And she's like, what (laughs) are you talking about? Because it stuck out because it was such a powerful moment in your childhood. Yeah. And then my mom, like, if she was picking me up, she would always be late. Mm. She's like, I got stuck at the office. Mm. Like, you need to not get stuck at the office and be on time. So you have this complex that you carried into adulthood that you're afraid people are going to abandon you. <laughs> Maybe that's why I have bad dreams about Peter all the time. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to be abandoned. This is less about a weird phobia. It's more like we're getting in deep into the psychology of Sarah. <laughs> but that's the only phobia I can think of. abandonment issues. I guess that's what it is. I just don't like... I like to be the one driving. (laughs) You like to be the one picking people up, not the one being picked up. No. So what's your phobia? Spiders? 
No. <laughs> clowns? No. Although clowns are creepy, especially if you know about John Wayne Gacy. Mm. If you don't, don't I don't know that. that one. Well, that's how you can spend your afternoon, Sarah, reading about one of Chicago's most prolific serial killers. Oh, he's, he's not the one with the building, is he? No, that's H.H. H. Holmes. Oh, okay. No, John Wayne Gacy was, well, I'll let you Google it. <laughs> is it his fault that people hate clowns? Um, I don't think it's solely his fault, but he certainly did not help their cause. <laughs> he was a clown for kids' mask. birthday parties. Ugh. Yeah. Did he murder people in the clown costume? Uh, I think some, no, I, well, I don't know. He, he just happened to do parties on the side and then murder people on the other side? Correct. No, uh, I would say my kind of irrational weird phobia is lightning. Oh. But some wouldn't say that's irrational. <laughs> but I think I'm irrationally afraid of it. Like, I think it's normal to be afraid of lightning, but I'm, like, really afraid of lightning. You're like Lady, my dog. Yes. I, when it, if it's lightning, I want to crawl under a bed. I will put you in my laundry room in a box. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And it's especially bad if I'm driving, even though ironically a car is a pretty safe place to be when it's lightning. But I just yeah. like imagine that it's, yeah, I just, one time I was driving a van full, this was when I was like a youth intern at a church one summer and I was driving a van full of kids, teenagers, and it was Ugh, lightning teenagers. and I was literally like behind it was raining and lightning and i like had my eyes closed going like 70 miles an hour down the highway this is why you're like jesus take the wheel (laughs) exactly um were the kids like that song's not literal (laughs) don't do that i did i had a kid in the in the passenger seat with me this is like one of those big 12 passenger vans, you know? Okay. And he I, was, was like, I was thinking bus. No, it wasn't a bus. But still, he was like, um, you've got to open your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the teenager in the seat next. I'm supposed to be the res- responsible adults in the room. Nope. That seems much scarier than lightning. Right. Driving with your eyes closed. It is incredibly unsafe PSA to churches out there this is why you shouldn't hire teenagers to take care of your teenagers were you an older teenager I was a junior in college so I wasn't a teenager but I was barely a teenager I was like 20 so 21 maybe I don't know I was young that's funny I didn't know that you were scared of lightning so you're not a very good Midwesterner. I'm not. I guess then. Well, I get. I mean, there's no. There's not like. There's not like tornadoes in Chicago. But if I lived no. in Kansas, <laughs> if there's a storm of some sort, you go out to your deck with a beer. <laughs> They're like, go inside and get into the most interior, right room. For and a everyone's tornado. like, no, we're going outside. <laughs> No, for a thunderstorm. Sure. You Peter have... saw his neighbor's car get struck by lightning. Oh, see, that just, 
I just got to chill. Across the street. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I don't like it. Nope. Like it took a chunk out of the driveway nope. and broke the car. I don't like that. You have to know about the mattress in the bathroom trick, right? <laughs> what? When there's a tornado? No. Oh, man. I, it must be a Texas thing. I was talking to my best friend about this. And she was like, what are you talking about? You mean about? like get in the bathtub with yeah, a mattress? You get in the bathtub and you cover yourself with the mattress. If you don't have a basement or a cell, like a storm We don't cellar. have basements here. She looked at me like I was crazy. And then like a year later, she was doing like, she was working at a school and doing like storm safety. And she was reading this pamphlet. And when it got to tornado safety, it had a picture of these people in their bathroom with a mattress. She was like, that's not a thing. You're crazy. I'm like, no, it's definitely a thing in Texas, at least. People do that. <laughs> do you have tornadoes in Texas? Oh, yeah. Like we do. Not in Houston, but I grew up in West Texas out in the desert. And they definitely oh. have tornadoes. Like, think the panhandle of Texas. Like um, by Oklahoma? Yeah. Let that. It's in Tornado Alley. It's right there. So there were many times that my entire extended family would like be in a bathroom with a mattress. No, yeah, never did that. <laughs> did anyone else do that or was it just my weird family? I mean, you guys were being safe. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. I'm sure anyway. the mattress would help. I'm sure the mattress would help if a tornado came through and took the roof off of your house. I'm sure that mattress is going to keep you safe. I think that's good enough for the out of the box segment. Yeah. So thanks for uh, joining us today, everyone. As always, join our close Facebook groups if you haven't. Called the Infertile Mafia and the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to hear more talk about eggs and balls and stuff and tornado safety. <laughs> and abandonment issues. Right. In our next episode, we're talking, we're taking a short break from IVF and talking about dieting. Yay. Everyone's favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> womp yeah. womp. Uh, we're talking about fertility diets, and we'll have a special guest, a fertility dietitian, joining us for the podcast to give tips on optimizing your food choices when you're trying to conceive. That's right. Her name is Melissa, and I was going to share her Instagram handle real quick. Yeah, she's at avocado underscore grove underscore nutrition, and she is a... Uh, nutritionist that specializes in fertility diets especially for women with PCOS so so tune in for that uh, I do like her Instagram account quite a bit she has lots of um, sh- like fun recipes that are good for especially PCOS so again that's at cool. avoco uh, avoco at avocado underscore grove underscore nutrition name's Melissa Tune in for that. And as always, everyone, thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Goodbye. Bye.